everybody. Hey, my name is Clayton, the pastor at Central. I'm so glad you guys are here with us um, this morning. I know there's a lot of people watching online today, so thank you guys for being here as well. If you scan the QR codes, you can follow along with today's message. Uh, if you'd like to do that, if you are online, you can go to our website and be able to follow along um, that way as well. We're going to be in Luke chapter 6 to begin. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn over onto to Luke um, chapter 6. But hey, I know that it is Memorial Day weekend. And uh, so there's a ton of people that are out um, hanging out and spending time with their family. I think that's, that's fabulous. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the summer, you know. It's, the, it's how we mark uh, the beginning of, of school getting out and all the fun stuff we have planned um, for this summer. But I was, I was thinking about Memorial Day weekend and how it's different than a lot of weekends. Did you know that 95% of companies are closed um, tomorrow? Around the country, 95% of companies, so if you had plans to go do some stuff, you better do it um, today, you know what I'm saying? Um, Because you're not going to be able to do that uh, tomorrow at all. Do you know that 59%, almost 60% of Americans will do some form of a barbecue this weekend? You may have already done that already, but that's that's a lot of people um, eating some meat, you know what I'm saying? And uh, that's pretty awesome, uh, getting together with family and friends and having um, a barbecue. But what most people do, a lot of people do on Memorial Day weekend is they travel. Do you know that 40 million people in the United States will travel during the Memorial Day weekend? And it's tough this year because the gas prices are crazy. Like it is national average. We're kind of lucky right here in Oklahoma, but the national average is today is $4.60, which is crazy. That's crazy. You know what? One thing that I've noticed about Memorial Day weekend is that everyone who is traveling comes from the same place. You know where that place is? Wherever they're going, whatever they're going to go do, they all come from the same place, which is home, right? They come from home. They come from wherever they live, whatever situation they find themselves in. When they're going on vacation, when they're traveling, they are leaving their home their, their home base, so to speak, and they are traveling to somewhere. In fact, it's like, our, it's like our, our base camp. And that's what we're calling this series is base camp. What is a, a base camp? Well, a base camp is, is where you begin your journey. You know what I'm saying? It's where you begin your journey. It gives you the resources that you need. So if you're going on vacation, your home is your base camp. That's where you're your vehicle is, um, that's where your luggage is, that's where all your clothes are. Um, and so you, you pack and you get ready and you leave from that place to go on the journey that you were going on. Well, a base camp, more specifically, is for a climber. So a climber is one to climb one of these mountains right here. And so what they need is they need um, a central location from, which, from where they can begin their journey. It's, it's, their, it's their base camp. And they need a successful base camp to be able to succeed in their climb. And the same thing goes for our lives. You and I need a successful base camp. And that's what this series is all about. It's going to be a time where we're going to talk for the next four weeks about some foundational um, aspects of Christianity. And these things are important because how you live and what you believe really hinges off of these fundamental aspects of the faith. In fact, look at Luke chapter 6 with me this morning. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus actually says this. He says this, I will show you what it's like when someone 
comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. So we stop right there. And so Jesus is meeting with these group of people, and he begins to say, hey, let me give you kind of an example of what it looks like for, for someone to actually fully commit their lives to me and believe in me. And so there's a lot of people who, who go to Jesus. They hear about Jesus. But a lot of people stop right there. Jesus says, no, you got to do more than that. You have to, you have to listen to, the, to my teachings. And so there's, there's another group of people that, that go the next level, and they begin to listen to Jesus' teaching. But a lot of times people stop right there. And Jesus says, no, that's not the end of it. What you have to actually do is you have to follow my teachings. And so that's what it means to be, have, a, be a, have a committed relationship with Jesus. And he says this, here's what it's like for the people that actually go and do that. Here's what he says. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the floodwaters arise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. And so it says that's what it's like. And then it goes on to describe the other kind of house or the other kind of person who may hear about Jesus but doesn't fully follow him. As it says, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. So like in the dirt, in the sand. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Over the next four weeks, we're going to lay that foundation. Over the next four weeks, we're going to go on a journey. And we're going we're gonna to be... Um, Going from base camp to base camp to base camp. Base camp one, two, three, and four. And from those things, we're going to, to learn some, some, some fundamental aspects of the Christian faith. We're going to talk about sin. We're going to talk about our need for a Savior. We're going to talk about what it looks like at the, the end times, at the, the very end. But to begin, we have to go way back to the very beginning. So you have your Bibles. You're already in Luke chapter 6. Now go to the very beginning, to Genesis Chapter 1. We're going to be in the book of Genesis the rest of today, but the book of Genesis is really important because all of uh, the, the Bible is about 4,000 years of, of time that the, the stories in the Bible take place. And over half of that time period, over 2,000 years, actually occurs in the first book of the Bible, in Genesis, which goes to show just how important Genesis is. And this creation story that we are going to look at today is the beginning of everything. And it's the beginning of a journey for humanity, but it's also the beginning of a journey for you and for me. It's important because what you believe about this beginning is really foundational for the rest of your life. So for thousands of years, the majority of people have actually believed the creation story. Just kind of what our, our culture, uh, other, other cultures, other, other peoples, other nations, the majority of people, the vast, overwhelming majority have believed the creation narrative. When people said, how did everything begin? They say, this is how it started. The Bible says that. Obviously, I believe the Bible, and so that's, that's, what, it, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's, what it's supposed to, that's what it says, and so that's what I believe. Well, over the last 150 years, things have changed. Right now, in American culture, and not just American culture, but, all, but American Christianity, 40% of people believe in the creation story. Only 40% of people. Things have changed over the last 150 years. And what's happened is, is evolutionary thinking has 
begin to, to creep into our worldview and our way of life. And not only has it, has it crept in, but it's like a tsunami that has like overtaken our, our schools, our institutions. And in fact, in some ways, it's even take, overtaken the church in some respects. And so right now, today, 60% of our, our population believes in some form of evolution. Now, I think there's, this is just my way of thinking, there's kind of two forms of evolution. There's, there's the one that you guys probably understand that people believe that like there's, there's, there's really no God and there's, there's uh, billions of years and evolution has taken place over those billions of years and where we're at right now is because of that slow process over that amount of time. But there's some people believe that. There's also some people believe in an evolutionary view where there's actually um, God in the mix. That evolution has still happened over billions of years, but God has been kind of working through evolution. But it's still evolutionary thinking, regardless of which way you believe on that spectrum. And the question for us today is this. What do you believe? What do you believe? You might say, Clayton, I don't, it doesn't matter. It matters. It's important. And I'll explain here a little bit what I mean by that. About that. So what do you believe? You believe that there is a, a powerful God who, who created everything? Or is there this random evolutionary process that has created you and everything around you over billions of years? Which seems more plausible? That there's a God who, who created things for a purpose or that there's just everything happened by random chance over billions of years. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem with those two views. You can't prove either one. You can't prove either one. Because see, we, we believe in something called the scientific method, right? You learned it in school. You learned the, the scientific method, didn't you, when you were, when you were little? And look, I got a definition for the scientific method. Here's what it is. It's, a, it's the process of establishing facts through a certain process, okay, through observable testing and experimentation. So if you remember science class when you were little and you were, you were at, a, at the, the science um, table and there were always like these black tables. I don't know. It was weird. You got a little sink over there. You got your beaker and your, what's that, Bunsen burner, whatever it's called, right? You got that? Remember that, okay? And so you're, you're testing something. I remember having to dissect a frog. That was disgusting. It smelled like formaldehyde. I don't know. It was gross, okay? So I remember science class, and you're trying to prove something, that something would happen, a reaction would occur at a certain temperature or whatever when you combine chemicals or whatever that was. But you were doing the scientific method. You were saying, I think this is what will happen. Let me prove it and see it as an experimentation or a testing. Well, you can't do that with history, can you? You can't observe the past. You can't do it. Now, you can make, you can make judgment calls, right? You can infer about that you think things will happen based on some historical facts and historical evidence but you can't scientifically prove either way. You can't scientifically prove, uh, um, can't scientifically prove that there's a, a God who, who created everything, like the Genesis account says. And you can't scientifically prove that, that evolution happened. So let me explain these two kind of maybe in like a, a mathematical equation to get into these topics today. So there's, there's two equations that one is creation, one's evolution. Think about it this way. This is the simplest way you can, you can think of it, Okay. Creation, the Bible, the biblical record would say God plus nothing equals creation, okay? That's what happened. That's what the Bible says. Evolution says this, that no one 
plus nothing equals everything. That over time, those things happen. And I think this is important for us today because I want you to make a decision today about what you believe. You got to make that decision. And it's important. Because Christianity in America has changed. In fact, if this, the people in this room today, if we represented all of Christianity, let's actually say there's only 10 of us in this room, 10 of us in this room, four of us in this room would believe in the biblical story of creation, okay? Three would believe in some form of evolution with God in the mix. Two would believe in some form of evolution without God, and there's one lone person that just doesn't know what they believe, okay? That's just kind of the statistics um, for today. But think about that. I'm not talking about the culture. I'm talking about churches. I'm talking about people who sit in pews and chairs and sit in small groups and worship the Lord. Only 40% believe in the creation story according to statistics, and that's, that's crazy, which means that it's important for us to actually know what we believe. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to go back. I'm going to use this, this bottom one first, the bottom equation, that no one, plus, no one plus nothing equals everything. Let me give you Clayton's version of evolution, okay? Uh, this is going to be super simple. But here's what scientists and evolutionary thinkers think, okay? That, that billions of years ago, there was a cloud of, of space dust, and there was a cloud of like space um, chemicals, okay? And, and what happened is, is those actually formed together, and over billions of years, the, the heat that created, it was created from that, began to build and build and build, and eventually there was this thing that we all know, right? The, the Big Bang, okay? The Big Bang, that's the Big Bang theory, that, that's what that happened. And from the Big Bang, all, everything happened in our universe, okay? That trillions of not just stars, but trillions of galaxies formed from that one moment. In fact, I got a, a picture here. It's a pretty awesome picture. You got it on the big screen right there. I look at it right here. It's a pretty cool picture. Maybe you've been outside and clear night, you'll be able to see this many stars. Well, guess what? These aren't stars. These are galaxies. This is just a tiny portion of the sky. And you guys can't see it, but I have the advantage. I can look, and actually, actually I can see little tiny pixels, individual pixels on the screen. And those represent not just stars, but billions of stars in that one little pixel. And evolutionists think that all of this was created from the Big Bang. In one moment, that out of nothing... Everything was created. Now, what about on this earth? Well, they also believe, let's go back to this equation, that billions of years ago, this, this cloud, right, that we're talking about, um, formed with some type of electrical energy, and it created these single-cell organisms, okay, out in space, and somehow, some way, some of them fell onto this planet, okay? And so over billions of years, this planet has, has formed, and, and uh, some, of the, some of these single-cell organisms, they landed on the ground, and over, over millions and millions and millions of years, they formed plants, okay, that we have today. I don't know how the ground actually got there, but that's 
besides the point, okay? But then you got water, and so I'm not sure how the water got there, but the water, um, some of the, the organisms landed in the water, and they created these, these over billions of years, or millions of years, they created these, these boneless little creatures, um, and eventually these creatures evolved to actually have a bone structure, and out of, the, out of that, those kind of creatures, that over time, that the fish of the sea are what we have, the birds of the air is what we have, and animals on the land is what we have, and humans exist from that. That is a simple explanation of the evolutionary model. Now, the Bible says something different. In fact, it's completely different. The Bible has that other equation that says this, that God plus nothing equals creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. The very beginning, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, the beginning, is really important because it doesn't just talk about creation, but it talks about God. All of chapter 1 begins to describe God and who he is. And not, just, not only that, but begins to describe who we are and the purpose that God has given us. And there are six days of creation recorded in, in the Bible, and here's what they are. Let me, let me give you the, the simple version of these today. Day one, God formed light, universe, and the earth. Day two, he formed the sky and the atmosphere. And day three was the, the dry land and all the plants. Day four were the stars, including the sun and moon. Day five was the birds and the water creatures. And day six was the land animals and man. But man, out of all these days, day one was probably the coolest. I think day one was awesome. Look what it, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says this, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the very first day. And from the very beginning of Scripture, here's something that I realized. That passage of Scripture splits our culture in two. It splits our culture in two because there are, there are people on either sides of, of this argument, that this is how God created everything, that either all of this was put together by chance or that there is a God who created all of this. And no matter where you land, you have to be honest with yourself and ask this question. Is all this designed? All of this, is it designed or is it by chance? Is it designed or is it by chance? And as I look at the universe, as I look at the, the sky, as I look at this planet, I believe, my belief is that it is, it's evident that there is intelligent design backing all of this up. In fact, look at this video real quick. This video right here is a, is a video of an Apple Watch. Okay, a lot of you guys have an Apple Watch. You look at this, you're like, man, it's got cool bands. Wow, that, that back of it's awesome. It's like checking my heart rate and all that kind of stuff. And it's got this awesome front on the glass and just intricately designed, isn't it? And you look at that and you go, obviously there is someone who created that. But a lot of people would say that everything we have, like, like something that is intricately designed and works perfectly came from just random chance over billions of years that it just happened to work the way that it has worked. 
And people who believe in, in the God of the Bible would call this the, the watchmaker argument. We say, you know what, you look at a watch and you make, man, the watch shows something. Not only is the watch intricately designed and, and working perfectly, but it infers something. It infers that there is a watchmaker, right? That it didn't just happen to randomly um, come into to being. As I, as I have my Apple watch on right now, I look at that and go, man, there's some really smart people at Apple who have created this. And I get to enjoy it, and it's awesome. But I realize that it didn't just happen to fall on my wrist. There's evidence all around of an intelligent designer. Look at the sun. There's a picture of the sun. I just didn't want y'all to look at the sun directly today. So here's a picture of it. Did you know that the sun represents 99.7% of all the mass in our solar system? So these models of the sun that you guys, you know, see when, in like elementary school, it's not to proportion. You know that a million Earths can fit inside of our sun. It is 93 million miles away, and it takes light and heat and energy eight minutes to get to the Earth. And scientists have, have, have proven and shown that if the, Earth, if the sun was just a little bit further away, we would all freeze. And if the sun was a little bit closer, we would all burn up. And the question is, is that by chance or is that by design? Not only the sun, but look at, look at the Earth. I think it's amazing about the earth is the seasons that we have. In fact, if we didn't have the seasons that we have, the earth uh, would, wouldn't be the earth, and we would not exist. It wouldn't just be cold all the time or hot all the time. We would not have plants. We would not have oxygen. We would not exist at all if the earth wasn't tilted just right. Do you know the earth is tilted at 23.5 degrees? If it was tilted just a little bit more or a little bit less, you and I wouldn't exist. It's been perfectly designed with gravity. It spins at a, about 1,000 miles per hour at the equator. And it's designed for life to exist. What does the universe say? What does the universe say about itself? I believe that it's saying it's intricately designed by someone who designed it. Now, not only in creation did the universe and the earth happen, but look at day six. Day six is also a really important day. Here's what the Bible says in Genesis 1:24. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Now, remember that. That's really important, okay? The same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals, and that is what Happen. Now, there are two competing views based off of this, this passage about animals. And one of them is, is that that's how, that's how it happened. And the other one is that over 800 million years that animals have, have evolved um, from maybe some ancestral kind of animal. But the question for us today is this. What does the fossil record say? You know, let's look at evidence. The best evidence that we can look at, what does the fossil record say? Well, it's all, all about, the fossil record is all about animal kinds. In fact, Charles Darwin, 150 years ago, when evolutionary thinking began to, to creep into our, into our society, Charles Darwin, the most famous evolutionary uh, biologist um, and scientist, he believed that over time, everything evolved from like a, a common ancestor. And that he couldn't prove it during that time. It was a theory 
So evolution, when you see the textbooks and you, you see it on Discovery Channel, and they throw out billions of years and all this kind of stuff. They're not proving anything. They're just actually stating a theory. And Charles Darwin said, you know what? I believe, I can't prove it now, but I believe science is going to get better. Scientists are going to get smarter. And I believe over time, we'll be able to, through, through scientific method and through archaeology, to be able to prove my theory that eventually someone's going to dig up bones, fossils that are going to show that there was some type of missing link. There was some type of, of ancestral animal. Like, like, for example, like a, like a dog and a cat, how there are dogs and cats, okay? That eventually, if you go back far, far enough in time, there was maybe a common animal that dogs and cats kind of evolved from, okay? Or that kind of thing. You know what's happened over the last 150 years? Billions and billions of fossils have been dug up. And they haven't found a single missing link. Here's what this means. Every time someone digs up a horse, it's a horse, okay? Doesn't have wings, doesn't have a tail, it's just a horse. Oh, yeah, a tail. Doesn't have a, a swimming tail, okay? It's a horse. When a bird is, is dug up, it is, a, it is a bird. Now, I believe that there is natural adaptation, right? I mean, look, look around the room right here, like, we are evidence of natural adaptation. We, we look differently, okay? We're different heights. You know, we, we just, we're different, okay? You look at, there's like 200 different dog species, okay? There's natural adaptation that happens. And I believe that happens. But there's never been a, a missing link to prove evolution. The question is, what do you believe? And what is the evidence point? Not only is there animals created on the day six, but guess what? You and I, the Bible says that we were created on day six. Look what the Bible says here in verse 26. The Bible says that God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And the question for us today is this. Am I wonderfully made or am I random? Honestly, what you believe about Genesis and the creation account answers that question for you. Am I wonderfully made or am I random? I mean, I think you gotta look at our bodies. Have you ever thought about how your body was, was formed and the things that it can do? I mean, look at, look at, I'll take, for, a couple, for example, I'll look at a couple things. One is the human eye. Look at the human eye. Did you know that there is 13 million parts to your eye? I thought there was like three, okay? <laughs> there's, there's 13 million parts to your eye. Did you know that your eye can focus on 50 different objects every second? It can see 10 million different colors. And it can see a flame from 1.7 miles away. Your eye is, in, in all of your body, your eye is one of the most, or probably perhaps the most intricate, and unique things about you, except for one thing, and it's your brain. I call it, amongst the, our staff, Donya's shaking her head, I call it the meat computer. It's a meat computer, guys. Come on. Isn't that funny? All right, you can use that. That's a freebie, okay? Um, it's, it's a meat computer. They've been able to see that there's, there's 10,000 million cells in your brain. Not 10,000, not a million but 10,000 million cells in your brain. 
And those cells are making connections with other cells constantly. In fact, they've been able to theorize that there are a thousand million million connections going on in your brain right now. That's 10 to the 15th power. Now, that's crazy to think about. But here's how, how big of a, a number that is. 1% of your brain's connections is larger than all of the internet connections on the planet. 1% of your brain's connections. That's a lot. <laughs> that is unique. That is creative. But instead of just thinking about physical things, what about metaphysical things? What about morality? You ever thought about morality and how it plays into creation? How do you know what is right or wrong? Think about that. I mean, if we're just random and by chance, then shouldn't, where, where does morality come from? I was thinking about this, my, my dogs yesterday, okay? So yesterday, my dogs, um, they, uh, they were running around the backyard like crazy. And so I got big dogs and they, they came in and they would just not calm down. I didn't know what was going on. They kept looking out the, the backyard. And so I let them out again, and I followed them. And they, they ran around the back of the house and went to um, our, our batting cage net. It's a big old net um, that's, that's in the backyard. And sure enough, there are two rabbits inside of that cage. I don't know how it got there, but I was like, this is awesome. And the, the dogs are running around chasing it, and these rabbits, or this, well, one rabbit's going around. And then I look over to the side, and there was actually uh, an, another rabbit that was dead. And it was, it got tangled up like it was a gill net and a fish. You know, it was, it was crazy. It was just like, ah, you know, sorry. It was terrible if you like rabbits. It was a wild rabbit. It wasn't a bunny rabbit. It wasn't fluffy. Okay. So it was a wild rabbit. And, uh, and it was just tangled up. And then I looked closer and I realized the reason my dogs were like going nuts is they had already started eating that, that rabbit. Okay. And so there's like, Skin's gone. They're, they're just gnawing at the, <laughs> it was gross. Okay. So the, the, my, my, my dogs doing that, they were like, look what I did. They were like so excited. But I was thinking about this. A dog never calls the animal police to, to investigate a homicide, okay, in the animal world. They don't do that. They just eat, you know. They're not thinking about that. There is no animal that sits around and says, why am I here, and contemplates life like we do. When your dog, dog doesn't do that, your dog just licks itself and is worried about the next meal. That's all that your dog is really thinking about, okay? I promise you. But think about that. We ask those questions, why do we exist? We have this innate understanding of what is right and wrong. And the question is, where does that come from? Where do we get that? If you go back to that Genesis account, God says, I want to make you in my image. I want to create you different than everything else, and I want to make you unique. So here's why I'm talking about this today. The question about creation is, it's really a question about whether your life has meaning. Think about that. It's a question of, does, does my life count? Does it, does it mean anything? Does my life have meaning? Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says this about you. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can, get this, do the good things he planned for us long ago. God has a plan for you and for your life. I believe that you're not random. I believe that you were created for a purpose. 
And what you believe about creation is important. Because think about this. If creation isn't real, there's some things that fall like dominoes. First, then the Bible's false. You can just take out the beginning, just rip it out. You know what? If you're ripping out the Genesis, Jesus talked about the creation a lot. He referenced Genesis a lot. So you can kind of just rip out the rest, of the, the rest of the Bible. Creation isn't real, then the rest of the Bible is false. And if the Bible is false, then there really is no God. If there is no God, then there is no sin and consequences of sin. If we're just randomly here like animals. If there is no consequences to sin, think about this. Then Jesus dying on the cross was meaningless, right? There's no purpose for that at all. And if there's no purpose for that, then think about this. Sharing the gospel is meaningless. Why would we want to do that? If it's all just on a foundation made of sand. I'll go even one step further and say this. If creation isn't real, then your life has no meaning. You're just here by chance, randomly. The question is, what do you believe? I believe that you were created by God for a purpose, and he loves you. I believe that God created the universe and everything that we see, all of creation, to show his glory. And he allows us and he calls us to live within that creation so that we can make much of him with our lives. That is what he has called us to do. I love uh, Psalm because it's so emotional, the, the book of Psalms. And one of the Psalms, Psalm 139, David is, is writing this, and he says something really kind of interesting. He says, he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Talk about us, himself. He says, your workmanship is marvelous. He's talking to God. He says, your workmanship is marvelous. I look around, I look at my body, I look at myself, I look about, about my morality, I look at creation, and I see just how wonderfully complex it is and how marvelous your creation is. And he goes on and says this, how well I know it. Like, it is evident and it is obvious. This is the first base camp. What do you believe about creation? And what do you take from this first base camp will determine so much of your future. It is foundational for your life. It's important. But I get this. I, I, know, I, know, I understand something. I was just surface leveling it today, guys. Okay? I'm getting you guys out of here. It's 1146. We're going to go eat some lunch. Okay? I'm getting you guys out quick. I know I can't get into all the depths of, of all of this topic and discussion and debate. But here's what I want to offer you is a way for, for you to have your, answer, your questions answered. So I know a lot of you might, might have more questions about um, this topic that I couldn't get into. And so we're going to throw this up on the screen right here. This is the email address. If you have questions, real simple, questions at cbcowasso.org. That'll go to me, and I would like to answer your questions. So if you have more questions about, about creation or evolution or Genesis or anything like that, I would love to, to spend some time this next week or next couple weeks um, talking and, and with you and answering your questions. So I want to offer that to you. If you're like, hey, okay, I don't know about this, but what about that? I, I would love to spend some time and answer your questions later on today. But here's the deal, guys. It's important. What we believe about creation, what we believe about the truthfulness of Scripture 
matters. It matters. The scripture goes on and says this, that you're a sinner and you need a savior. And Jesus came and died for you. He rose from the grave. He says, I'll offer you that gift of, of salvation if you will put your trust in me. Creation didn't happen, and all of that is meaningless. It's important. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for uh, evidence. Thank you for science. Thank you for creation that we can look around and see just the hand, your handiwork. And I thank you, God, that uh, you don't hide uh, your awesome power. You show it to us every day. And give us evidence that we can trust you. We can trust your word. We can trust creation. We can trust the God who loves us and has created us for a purpose. And so I pray for anyone in this room who may be doubting why they exist. And I pray, God, that you would help them to see that they are, they are wonderfully made and they are not random. And God, even more than that, I pray if there are people in this room who don't have a relationship with you, that they would trust in your son, Jesus, who died on the cross to save them from their sins. I pray that today that they would, they would give their lives to you. They would ask for forgiveness and live the rest of their life for you, trusting that you have a purpose and a plan. We thank you, God, that you are powerful enough and creative enough to make what we see today. It's amazing. Our bodies are amazing. Creation is amazing. And it all points to you. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you've done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, they're just finishing up service in there, and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org, and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, remember, as we go out into the world, that we exist to live for Christ, love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.